Welcome back to the Go Be Wyoming podcast. I'm Aaron. And I'm Zach. We are your hosts as third-generation Wyomingites. We saw the need for a Wyoming-focused show highlighting Wyoming values and morals. We are dedicated to bringing you the people, businesses, places, and organizations that embody what it means to Go Be Wyoming. Street. Hi. Yes, how are you? Good. Good. Thanks for calling in. Sure. Can you hear me okay? Yep, you sound great. Do you hear me pretty well? Yes, yes. I just was going to try to be hands-free while I'm like fumbling. I'm sure we'll have things that I'm like, oh, let me look that up. Yeah, <laughs> <So>. right. <laughs> no, that works out great. Um, yeah, and I've got your presentation pulled up. So, um, man, this will keep us kind of on track. And um, we, we try and keep these is, you know, 30, 30, 40 minutes, just cause that's kind of the attention span of, you know, of, of our listeners, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> and so can you tell me a little bit about who you guys are? So I can just make sure I frame this in for yeah. your listeners and what you're doing. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so my co-host Zach Gale is not here. He's a student teacher up here in Sheridan. Um, so he's obviously in school right now. So, um, you know, it's kind of funny. Um, I'm a high school coach kind of part-time. Um, and I actually coached my co-host when he was younger. So it's kind of funny, but, um, the last couple years, uh, football, ninth grade football up here. Yep. Oh, funny. Yeah. And so, um, I've been doing oil and gas for about the last three and a half years. Um, my family's, a am a third generation Wyomingite. He's also a third generation Wyomingite. Um, he, he's hopefully going to be like a social studies teacher. So he's definitely, you know, very involved and very curious about kind of how, um, the state works and, you know, policies and stuff like that. And, um, so yeah, that's kind of our background. We kind of saw the need and, and, um, it's kind of an outlet for us. Um, we started back in August. So obviously we had a big kind of primaries and general election. So, um, it's been fun. We've been learning a lot about kind of County, you know, how County, uh, governance works, city governance works in, and then the state stuff. So, um, it's a podcast. Yes. Yeah. It's a podcast. Yep. What, what's the podcast called again? No, you're so okay. Yeah, it's a Go Be Wyoming. Go Be Wyoming. Okay, I yeah. saw that on your Okay. Yeah, so we try, you know, any t- like like with having you on, we just want to be as an, as informative as possible, and um, y- you know, uh, we try and do that when we when we report on stuff. Um, you know, uh, from what we can tell, we're kind of the first first, uh, Wyoming focused podcast, if that makes sense, you know, that we are, we are heavily invested in what's going on in the state. Um, and we want to speak to the true values and morals of third and fourth generation, uh, Wyomingites. And that doesn't mean that if you moved here and you love it, that's, you know, like we hate you, but it's, you know, we're, um, we're third generation guys, you know, and, uh, we love the state we live in. And so we're just invested in, and want to learn a little bit more. Yeah. Okay. Well, so my husband's also. I have to think about this. I guess he'd be second, really. Because his, his dad was born in. Well, they've lived in Wyoming their whole life. Sure. But his grandparents were in Nebraska. Okay. So we won't claim that. Well, <laughs> so my husband was. My husband, I guess, was first generation, but his parents lived, lived in Wyoming basically their whole life. Sure. I consider that over as, 50 years. Yeah. I consider that second. I mean, um, yeah, my, my son would be, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm weird. So my dad's side, um, the great grandfather moved out here before the 1900s. Um, but he, uh, he had four kids right then in the early 1900s than that. Anyways, then he had kids later on. So there was like a 20, 30 year gap. And then that was my grandfather. So it's kind of, um, super weird in my family. There's probably some fourth generation, but, um, anyways, yeah, it's kind of fascinating. And then I guess his, and then I started thinking about his, his maternal grandmother. Gosh, I wonder what generation she is. I'll have to look that up because she was born here. 
Yeah, like see. her parents. Yeah. Yeah. So, so he, that would count. Yeah. Anyways, I, I'm a transplant, so I came in college um, and uh, came to swim at University of Wyoming and didn't go back. Oh, awesome. So, you swam at the university? Mm-hmm. Yep. I came from Atlanta, Georgia, and um, last recruiting trip in April uh, 1998 and was hiking in the snowies in a Patagonia and jeans, um, on a windless day and thought it was awesome. Yeah. And then came in September and just, I mean, just fell in love with the state and haven't looked back. That's wonderful. That's great. So you are, so, you're a UW alum and then, um, let's kind of, let's dive into that. So what'd you do after, um, after your career at UW, what did you what you graduate in? So I graduated with a, a BS in communications and a, with an emphasis in public relations. And um, I graduated post nine eleven, so marketing and communication jobs were scarce and hard to find. Um, and so I moved to Denver for a short while and uh, did event planning. And that's where I met my husband, who was doing construction down there. And then. Um, Two years later, we moved back to Torrington, Wyoming, um, and got married and started a family. And my my husband um, started teaching for uh, Eastern Wyoming College as a welding instructor. And um, I started off uh, in um, Heartland Biocomposites. It's, uh, it's changed names a couple of times. Um, but it's a manufacturer that takes recycled material and plastic and wheat straw and makes like composite decking. Okay. And then, um, and then I went to work. So that was like very quickly as I was moving into the, the community. But then I worked at the college and did what's more important to my workload now is, um, did workforce development at Eastern Wyoming college for four years and then was a headhunter for four to five years and then came back, um, and was the CEO of Goshen County um, economic development for four years. And so I lived there 15 years with my husband. Um, and that's where his family has been from forever, right on the, um, they've been from Wyoming, but also right on that Wyoming, Nebraska border. Right. Um, so then my husband, he was the welding instructor at the college and started doing, um, oil and gas, uh, welding inspection jobs in the summer and was making more in the summer than he was the whole year. And so eventually he got recruited away and has worked all over the world. Um, he worked, uh, up in the Bakken in North Dakota, worked in Texas. Then he went and did the North slope in Alaska. And then his last round was in, um, Kazakhstan. Oh, wow. And so the goal was, um, okay, that's okay when they're younger, but you need to get back by the time our kids are in middle school. And so he, now works for Suncor Pipeline um, in Cheyenne. Okay. And three day. And now it's complete opposite because they're not, with COVID, they're not working in the office. So he's doing everything from home. Right. Um, and I get escaped to the office. <laughs> so he's been holding some sport, um, multitasking at home. Um, well, you know, now, I've, and then, so when we moved here, I found this job at Wyoming Taxpayers Association and um, tax policy to me is fundamental to economic development and definitely prescriptive to what's going on in our state right now. Um, so it worked out great and Cheyenne was a great move for me. I love the government affairs piece that I've done for the last 10 years with my, with my jobs and advocacy work. Um, so that was definitely the direction I wanted to go moving into Cheyenne. And, um, so here I am 18 months later. That's awesome. Talking text. <laughs> so, um, yeah, we do whatever we can to stay in the state of Wyoming. And, um, you know, I've, I've just had a lot of fun the last 15 years really doing what I can to make it a better place for my kids to be and stay. So wonderful. That's in, a, in a nutshell. Yeah. Love it. No, that was good. Uh, I just wanted a little bit of history so people kind of know who you are and, um, you know, let's dive deep into this. Um, you know, what is Wyoming Taxpayers Association? I think some people don't know this uh, association even exists and, and yeah. Sure. So, um, we are an organization actually that's been around since 1937 and have roots from the Wyoming Stock Growers Association when we were formed. Um, but we're a nonprofit 501c4 corporation with a, uh, 
that's a think tank, and uh, we have a 501c3 foundation arm for our research uh, portion of our education work. And our mission is to advocate for sound tax policy for a healthy Wyoming economy. Uh, we are not anti-tax. We're not pro-tax. We really lean on that think tank capacity um, where we think about what, what sound tax policy will do um, for Wyoming's economy. Uh, our membership is diverse. It's individual members, large companies, family businesses, for mineral producers to ranchers, corporations, cooperatives, elected officials to private citizens. Uh, so that's, that's WTN in a nutshell. I like it. You know, and what's funny is, um, as we were doing this podcast as a side hobby, you know, like we were talking before. So I know Dave Kane really well and who is now, he's the, um, uh, I think he's the new elected president of, uh, the stock growers. Um, yeah. and, and that's enough. That's, I'm hopefully going to have those guys on and the land trust because that's another like fascinating organization that does a lot of great work. And so that's interesting to know that, um, uh, WTA came out of that. Um, so again, the stock growers kind of, uh, building kind of a legacy here in Wyoming. It's kind of cool. Um, I want to jump into how you said, you know, you guys are not pro tax, you're not anti tax. It's, um, these cornerstones here that you guys, I think probably use as kind of like, I wouldn't say a checklist, but kind of a, um, maybe it is a checklist. I don't know. Is it kind of run through these cornerstones of taxation, you know, that you guys, um, you know, must review policy on. So these are our four key principles and they actually, you were right on. Um, we use them to provide a litmus test for all tax policy. And uh, a lot of legislators rely on this as well. And the four key principles are, are they justified? Is it equitable? Is it stable? And is it transparent? So what justified is the tax justified? Is, is it, is there a need for it? Is it fiscally prudent? Are existing government funds, uh, being spent efficient, efficiently before considering a new tax? Is the primary goal of the tax to generate revenue or does it modify behavior or influence policy? Is it equitable? Does the tax impose equal or uniform liabilities upon similarly situated taxpayers? Is the tax constitutional? Will it distort economic behavior? Is it stable? Is it predictable under changing political, economic, regulatory, environmental conditions? Will it result in diversification and taxation? And finally, is it transparent? Is it visible, accountable, audible, easy to understand, administer, and cost-effective to collect? So when we're analyzing a proposal, when we can run it through there and it's check, 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 it's kind of a no-brainer. Um, where the debate is is where it checks some of it and doesn't check all of it is where we get into heavy debate amongst our members. Um, right. But it. In, in cooperation. Um, and it really is a neat process. Yeah, no, it's funny. Zach and I, my co-host, we were reading through this, uh, yesterday because we recorded some state, um, a state episode and we were kind of covering a lot of proposed bills that are coming up through the legislative session. And, uh, we probably should have went through this first before we talked about some of those bills. Cause it's like, man, I, you know, uh, some of them you're like, I don't think anyone went through this checklist. And then some of them you're like, I think, they're halfway there, you know? So, um, anyways, it's, it's, a yeah, this is great. This is wonderful. Um, is, do you want to dive deep into that a little bit, Ashley, or do you want to kind of continue on? Um, no, I think with the cornerstones, uh, continuing on and diving a little bit further into it, how they were created is, uh, tax reform 2000. And so in 1997, our former executive director, uh, Michael Walden Newman, uh, he, uh, helped draft a bill that uh, formed a special committee that we permit, permitted, or a special legislative committee that we participated on in 1998-99, and it developed a tax reform 2000, and it made recommendations for um, what we can do to fix our tax structure. Since we uh, implemented the severance tax in 1970, the 1970s, the state realized uh, by the 1990s we were very dependent on the boom and bust cycle of of the minerals uh, industry. Right. And so what Tax Reform 2000 did is it came up with a couple of different recommendations. And the main one was, is Wyoming's tax structure lacks equity, stability, and balance. And those are the, the words you just heard. Um, and so that's where we're trying to learn from past mistakes and our guiding principles uh, to help balance it back out. Absolutely. 
Um, so from those recommendations, uh, what they learned was at the time, the primary tax source accounted uh, for 75% of the state's revenue was generated by property tax, mineral and severance tax and sales and use taxes. Um, they noticed that, that it lacked balance because the tax structure was reliant on those extractive industries to fund the operating bu budget. Um, it was inequitable. The structure is regressive um, as lower income households pay a larger per percentage of income and excise and property tax than households with higher income. And it finally was unstable uh, because the mineral production tax is based on market values, many of which are subject to national and international volatility um, in their commodities. So 20 years later, we're basically singing the same tune um, with the with the great pause with COVID. This summer, we took the time to do a 20-year look back, and you can find um, a, a YouTube video, video of all the past legislators that were involved in that legislation to the current uh, legislators that are serve on the Revenue Committee today, um, comparing the differences from then to now, which I hate to say are not much. Um, the, the good news is, is there's 50 to 60 recommendations and 24 actions as of last session have been enacted on by the legislature based on those recommendations. Um, even though this, this report is 20 years old, um, it is something we keep hounding on because there's so much good information and a roadmap there. Right. Yeah. And looking at, you know, through this presentation you provided with me, you know, even in 2019, you know, there's still this very big, um, you know, unbalance of where we're getting our revenue from. I mean, it looks like it's somewhat, I wouldn't say balancing out, you, you know, your property taxes and stuff are still at almost more than half than anything else. Um, same with the minerals there well, too. I'd love to walk through yeah. for your listeners because I think it's really important to understand, especially uh, since our revenue proposals that are up and we can talk about that here in a second. Um, are, are pretty minuscule when you look at the entire budget to balance it back out. But um, property tax equates as of the fiscal year 19 budget, 41% of our total budget. Our general sales tax equates for 31%. Um, severance tax equates for 21% of our total budget. And then the other tax category is 7%. That will be fuel your fuel taxes, cigarette tax, alcohol tax, insurance premium tax, and franchise taxes. Um, when you tax, it's a three-legged stool. So you can do income, sales, and property. But everybody that lives in Wyoming knows and enjoys that we have no individual or corporate income tax. So we rely heavily on our sales and property tax and um, still remain one of the lowest states in both of those categories. Um, so I think that in itself shows you know, how we're very beholden to the, the minerals industry. Yep. Um, when you look at the class for tax assessments, minerals are taxed at 100%, where industrials at 11.5, and commercial and residential is 9.5. I just ran some numbers yesterday, and in that industrial uh, category, that tax is at 11.5%. 75% of that still is accounted for with minerals taxation and minerals revenue. Um, so in minerals and in that industrial category, we're still very beholden in property tax uh, to the minerals industry. Right. Yeah, very, and then, very extraction based, okay. you know, and every, everything here <laughs> keeps coming back to minerals and extraction. Yeah. And then as it relates to a whole, so in 2000, we were dependent at 75%. It has decreased where we're at 53.29% or 53.3% of our budget, of the total budget is, is based off minerals revenue. Um, but it's not because we diversified the tax base. It's just because that industry is shrinking. Um, and, you know, the consumer is, is changing. Um, the delivery of energy is changing. So uh, that that's, the basis behind that number. Nice. Well, and so, okay, so I'm seeing this here. So yeah, so we've decreased, um, you know, our dependence on it. Like you said, you know, I, I, we're still over half, you know, of where, where our budget comes from. Um, you know, uh, has there any, has there, has there been any consideration of what our overall budget is? Cause I think, you know, I, I don't know. And this is why I'm talking to you, you know, have we decreased our spending at all? I mean, you know, that's sure. a pretty good now. I mean, it could be better, I guess, it, you know, of our dependence of the mineral revenue, but that's a good percentage that we've knocked down of what it used to be. Um, you know, um, 
it's just kind of curious, you know, have we, um, have we stopped, have we stopped the spending, pro, you know, spending issue, you know, of our, what the budget is, I guess. So I'm going to, I'm going to start at a lower level that we, um, this is a, a graph that's, uh, thrown around, um, and talked about in the state and you'll see it's quoted all over newspapers when people are talking about our tax structure. And then we'll look at the, the big level of, uh, or the higher macro level of where we're at, um, as a whole in our budget. But uh, when you look at the direct tax collections and the public public service costs, mm-hmm. the average um, taxpayer for a three-person family with an income of 65000 and owning a home valued at 250000 and this is um, computed from the Department of Administrative and Information of the Economic Analysis Division, the um, individual taxpayer pays about $3,500 in taxes. And um, their public service costs are $27,090. So it's about a nine to one for every dollar I spend, the government spends $9 to keep all the, up with all the services that I utilize right. um, as an individual. And so that's where that spending comes in. And before we were having the minerals pay and, you know, we're just paying a ninth of our cost. Um, but obviously that's not sustainable because our minerals revenue is decreasing um, we love it when other people outside the state pay for our taxes. <laughs> That's decreasing, um, and our costs are going up, um, specifically in education. And um, you know, nobody really wants to look at uh, increased revenues. At least um, at this point, nobody has an appetite for an income tax or uh, substantially raising property tax or sales tax. So the first logical thing to do is look at spending. So if you look at spending as a whole, um, this last year. They just for our general fund and reserve accounts, they appropriated $2.9 billion as compared to at our height at um, two point or at 2010 or 2008 levels, we're at about $4.2 billion. So we've come down over a billion dollars in the last decade um, in spending. Um, also, unfortunately, your, your, your viewers can't see it, but I could give you the slide if you have a website to put it on. You can, you can see where our revenues have appropriated more than we have. Um, brought in. And so um, the legislature, I think, has been very mindful of that in the last five or six years to really make sure they're, um, you know, when they appropriate, they're balancing that budget. And constitutionally, they're mandated too. Right. Um, the reason that they were able to appropriate more than they um, received that year was that they have um, what we call the leg- Legislative Stabilization Reserve Account, or otherwise shortly known as the LISRA or um, average Joe knows it as our rainy day account. And so they've been able to, um, clear from our, you know, collect from our savings to pay for things that they, that, uh, we might be appropriating for. So, um, our spending is going down as of right now, uh, just to fast forward a little bit, um, after the pandemic, uh, our consensus, consensus revenue estimating group, um, which is the body that estimates, um, the executive branch and the legislative branch uses this group to rely on um, what our revenue estimates are coming in. And uh, they were saying, hey, we're on a path that's not sustainable. And um, they predicted all the revenue shortfalls. And the governor was able to come in last July. He, he, he froze all contracts. Uh, there was a hiring freeze. Um, all the agency directors came in in July, did major budget reductions. The first round of cuts um, was about $250 million. Um, this last fall, he looked at the, the consensus revenue estimating group's report, or what we call the CRAG, in October, and he did a, a big cut of $500 million. So that was his recommendation to the legislature, to the Joint Appropriations Committee. Um, the Joint Appropriations Committee met in um, December, and they basically ratified what he said with some minor changes. Um, but they're basically agreeing that there's about 500 million that need to be cut. So at that 2.9 million or 2.9 billion dollar uh, budget that they recommended last session in January of 20, or uh, I guess they released in March of 2020, they are now down to going into look at a supplemental budget at 2.5 billion. So if you think about it, 10 years ago, we're at 4.2 and now they're looking at 2.5 and the general fund, they have drastically decreased um, spending and they are going into a balanced 
situation into this 2021 general session. Uh, the big elephant in the room, which is separate and I don't have any slides on, but I can talk at a very high level on, is the school foundation program. Um, with the January Craig that just released, um, the general fund is balanced at this uh, point if the legislature decides to adopt all the recommendations from the Joint Appropriations Committee and the governor. Um, what the shortfall is, is still $298 million in the school foundation program that pays for our schools. So that's going to be the big discussion mm. as we approach this. And that, and that would be, that that's facilities, right? Is, is that's that... not facilities. That's to pay, it's about $16,000 and some change per student on average cost to pay for our K-12 education. Oh, UW okay. is in that budget and then community colleges. Um, are, you know, they have a mill levy at the local level and then the rest is supplemented from our general fund budget. So I just want to back up just so it's clear from, from what, what you just said there in, in short right now, the governor and the legislature have, have made cuts throughout 2020 and the general fund is balanced other than, uh, you know, like you said, the big elephant in the room, K-12, which does include some, of the University of Wyoming and community colleges. Is that, if I, did I catch up right there? Yeah. So the school foundation program is the only one that's not balanced right now. And okay. that is only for K-12. Oh, okay. Just K-12. Okay. K-12. The, the UW and um, the community colleges are paid for in that general fund budget. Uh, so they've all been cut. They have proposed cuts coming to them. I just want to, I want to, I want to walk through this real quick. Cause I just, um, so did we, did we purposely leave K-12 last with almost, you said, I think 298 million. Is that right? Right. So that, the so, problem with the eight, <laughs> and this is where it, it, it's, um, it's hard to clearly uh, educate the public on because there's so many pots of money that go into to funding our schools, right? Specifically for twelve. Um, so they have their own separate account. If that makes sense because they get money from full lease bonus monies, um, federal federal uh, mineral royalties. They they get it from um, property tax, local property taxes. Um, I can fumble here and pull up the LSO data book. So they, okay. And I think I, I had an interview with Bill Biteman. I think I remember him trying to explain, you know, and it's, it's hard. I mean, this, like you're saying, this is a whole, um, this is a big, this is a big forest of stuff. And I, I'm remembering now he did mention that, Hey, K-12 is its own animal. You know, it's its own block away from everything else. Um, so that, that makes sense. Um, okay. I just, I'm walking through a timeline and I'm like, so we left K-12 last like to be left to dry, but that's not really the case. It's just that it's their own, they're in their own little thing. So they just went through recalibration, which examines the, our basket of goods and our school finance model. And so they have a new recommended funding model that they're going to have to evaluate. And um, they are through that school finance recal. They're saying let's let's look at cutting that a hundred million because it has to be evaluated different because it is it is its own animal, um, like Senator Biden said. And so they're they're recommending a hundred million dollars in cuts. Well, that will be I think debated and argued in this twenty one general session what that number looks like. Sure, There'll be tons of. Prepare- for more cuts, and then there'll be tons of proponents for no cuts. Um, so somewhere in between, they'll they'll land on a number, and then what that deficit is of what they have left to pay to fully fund the schools um, will be the next debate of how they pay for it. Traditionally, our schools are paid, um, are the revenues collected come from, like I said, a couple of different places, but generally property taxes. Um, there is a proposal out there right now to do um, to make up that gap through a sales tax, um, which has its own flaws of uh, for, for those debating the bill on whether or not you switch funding streams. So um, that's that's going to be the big debate, I feel like, going into this 21 session. Okay. Well, it's encouraging to know that 
the general fund is is cleaned up and good, um, but we still have that big hurdle of roughly almost three hundred million of the K twelve budget. Um, and like you said, you know, we've got a number of cutting it. You know, I think a hundred million. I think it is the number being thrown around. Um, what was the, what was the proposal you said? I think you kind of cut there on the phone. What's the proposal sure. tax to fund that? What was that? Well, right now the bill is, and let me just pull it up. Um, it is House Bill 61, School Finance Recalibration. And that was uh, brought to the House Education Committee last night, and they just basically did a brief intro uh, in the House Education Committee of what they're trying to do with this bill, which is we'll basically balance it out and... Uh, there was no action taken. It won't go into this next round um, with the eight-day virtual center uh, or eight-day eight virtual session. It will be debated in March second live session because okay. it's just too big um, and it's going to require a ton of interaction on it. Right. Okay. Um, but there's to educate on on that bill. Sure. Sure. Okay. And they've got a long and time. Yeah. COVID is anybody can go to the Wyoming State Legislators YouTube channel and go back and watch, and it's at the very end of Wednesday of yesterday, which would be uh, January 20th, at the last 10 minutes, um, uh, Representative Hirsch, Steve Hirschman from Casper, who used to be the Speaker of the House last year, um, really walked through that bill. Okay. did he? Is he a sponsor of it, or he just walked through it? He was on the uh, Select uh, School Recalibration Committee, and Albert Somers is another one. A representative Somers from Pinedale helped uh, draft this legislation. Cool. So okay. Those are two supporters, but um, there was a whole group that worked on it. Sure, sure. Um, well, that's good to know because, yeah, because uh, like I said, we covered a lot yesterday, but then obviously they had had a – you know, had some meetings last night and sounds like this one was kind of proposed. Um, like you said, not a lot of discussion. It'll be discussed in March. Um, but we'll probably take, definitely take a look at that. Um, let's see. I see a lot of proposed bills. Um, you know, is there anyone that sticks out in particular to you and it doesn't necessarily need to be, um, uh, really we're, I love that you guys have here, you know, keep the conversation going. That's what we're all about is, uh, creative, right. creative ideas, you know, something that everyone can agree on, you know, is there a proposed bill that you've seen that, um, and it doesn't have to be the perfect bill and I don't think there's ever going to going to be one, but, uh, is there one that stuck out to you that you're like, Hey, this, I think we all can at least somewhat agree on this or, you know, um, you know, maybe it's creative, I guess. I would say no, not at this time. Oh. Uh, <laughs> They're all bad. No, just kidding. Um. Uh, what's happened in the interim is um, there was lots of bills thrown out in Revenue Committee, but nothing really made um, or saw the light of day. And the ones that are left in the Revenue Committee are very minimal. So there's a fuel tax, uh, which we support, and they're looking at imposing an additional nine, nine cents uh, tax to fuel, increasing the current rate to 30 Three cents. It keeps us competitive in the region, um, but that we're looking at that would fund, and it, then it's all about the distribution, right? So that helps fund uh, YDOT, and that, that that those dollars go specifically to roads, um, and so that does help with the infrastructure costs, um, but it doesn't help that you know for the, the imbalance of our tax structure. Um, there is a tobacco tax that they're looking at, and the fiscal note on that is uh, $5.6 million for the general fund with 830000 going to locals. Um, they did defeat uh, another exemption on um, Senate File 27, Essential Health Product Dignity Act, which exempted uh, adult hygiene products. And if that would have passed, um, that would have been an exemption for $1.8 million. Um, so if you subtract $5.6 million uh, from the $1.8, you know, we're only looking at the Revenue Committee, you know, $3.8 million coming out. Um, but right now they have about $5.6 million going towards, um, you know, to the general fund that's moving. But that's, that's kind of apples, you know, or, or peanuts compared to the whole yeah. – the whole, uh, picture. So if you go to that Wyoming estimated tax capacity, uh, former legislators, uh, um, 
Mike Madden from your neck of the woods, mm-hmm. uh, who used to be the former chairman of Revenue. He's been doing a ton of editorials on what's going on, um, and he's spoken to this Wyoming estimated tax capacity. The Legislative Service Office, uh, which we call LSO, they generated this um, this picture uh, to help legislators evaluate where we would be competitive. If you look at all three levers we can pull to tax. So you can look at income tax, property tax, and sales tax. If we look at the Rocky Mountain region and then look at some median rates of what people are taxing in each of those, um, if we pull the income tax uh, and use Utah's um, rate of 4.9%, that would generate $147 million. So you can see $5 million on a tobacco tax is nothing compared to $147 million, and that's just individual income tax. Um, if you look at a sales and use tax, if we if we went to North Dakota's rate of 6.8%, that would generate $256 million by fiscal year 2024. If you look at the property tax rate, um, if we upped our residential um, tax rate to Montana's, we're looking at generating $181 million. So if you pulled all those levers all together, you're looking at $836 million that it could it could generate. And those are just really those major levers. The tax proposals you're going to see us uh, support and really push when there comes a time that they come up is something that's low and broad-based and doesn't put a you know, doesn't pick a winner or loser, doesn't put a target on someone's back. Because if something happens to that industry or that taxpayer, it, it, it leaves Wyoming holding the bag, which is what's happening with minerals. Not to say that we don't love our legacy industries. I mean, that's a huge part and will always be a part of our, our state tradition and heritage. Um, it's just that we're going to have to diversify away from that. And the important thing to um, just segue off of that is if we are looking at economic development and economic diversification, which is my background is in, we can't do any of that as, as far as it um, relates to the state's coffers because until we look at tax reform, because anything outside of the energy industry for the state of Wyoming costs the state money um, to bring these people in. So right. that's kind of the elephant in the room as far as when we're looking at the tax base. Um, we really need to diversify, and those would be the proposals that we would be looking at, and, and that is low and broad-based. Um, and right now, I don't think there's anything that's out there that's, that's speaking to that. Um, there's going to be a lot of individual bills that drop. I think uh, the sales tax exemption, um, it died in committee, but I think that's going to come back uh, through a couple of different legislators have reached out saying that they're going to bring that back. So we have over, you know, we only tax and sales and property tax, don't do income tax, but we erode our tax base with our exemptions and sales tax, and we have over 50 um, exemptions on the books. And so the big three that I think will be back out to, for a debate is the manufacturing tax exemption, uh, the data tax exemption, and um, the food tax repeal. Right. Well, and I think you hit on, hit it on the head that, um, I think most people can get on board board for was you said the big three levies, right? You know, if you add all those up, um, we've solved our problems and what's great about in, in theory of those, those policies are they're they're broad. They're not, um, really, if anything, it sounds like they're almost kind of deregulating what we have in place. Like you said, reform and kind of say, Hey, here's just the blanket. And then we're done. You know, it, it covers everybody in all industries, um, which was the sales tax, property tax. And then, um, you know, what was your other one? Um, I guess po- possibly an income tax. Um, but I think that's which the- is what nobody really wants to talk about, including myself. Um, right. We enjoy that. It, we're going to have to, you know, at some day, at some point in time, we're going to have to pay if we want these services, if we want to keep, you know, um, the the level, the quality of life that we enjoy here and the services that we take, you know, for granted that, you know, someone's going to have to pay. And um, that's kind of the, the question that's out there. You know, what do you want your Wyoming to look like? What's the end goal? Do we, you know, with all these cuts, do we feel good about it? And if so, then that's great. Like, and I'm great with like, it just staying stable the way it is. But if we want to, if we figure out that we can't afford our education, um, after we've gone through all these cuts, we're going to have to have some hard conversations of how do we pay pay for that and what are we willing to give up to have that. 
I agree. And it's, and it's a weird balance, um, when it comes to education. Cause I know plenty of people being a coach, I know plenty of people in education. So teachers and coaches, um, but that's something that we have to, which is what you guys probably do is like, look at like, are the funds being used in the best way and probably in state services as well. You know, you had mentioned, um, the nine to one ratio. I mean, you know, um, great that we've gotten kind of off the, the dependence of, um, you know, the minerals industry, but I think maybe that's outside of, outside of, um, some tax reform. There's also kind of that consideration of, I guess this would be tax reform, but you know, how is, um, not really a spending cut, but just more of, are the dollars being used in the right way? Is that something you guys look at too as well? Or, so this last year, um, because it, just to back up for a second, you know, my Super Bowl pick going into the 2021 general session is reduction in spending, specifically education, plus pain and cuts, plus use of the LISRA or rainy day fund equals maybe a revenue enhancement. And so um, I'm pushing my board hard because we've always, uh, taxpayers has a rich history of being on both sides of watching the spending, you know, a watchdog almost of looking at the spending and um and then, you know, obviously watching the taxation proposals, we, we really live in the taxation pro- proposal side of it. And so we want to be careful as we tip, dip our toe into that spending policy um, uh, conversation. But we did come up with a, a spending policy statement. And, you know, basically, the, the executive and legislative branches have recognized that the state's tax structure is in a permanent state of imbalance. And, um, you know, the time to address the nice-to-haves and focus on the must-to-haves is now. And so we recognize the duties of the state and the local government per our Wyoming Constitution um, that these things that are outlined in there should be the absolute priority. And we're going to have to figure out how to pay for these things. And so the things that are listed in our our Constitution, we went through this this summer, and uh, we're going to have to look at education, regulation of water, mining, and corporations. Uh, conduct our election, conduct our elections, um, pay for infrastructure and public works, care for the indigenous, our judicial system, public safety, construction and improvement of roads and highways. So that's like why we're supporting fuel tax. So overall, we believe that spending policy should be narrowly aligned with the duties set forth in the Wyoming state constitution and refocusing on those priorities will help reverse the burden and rebuild Wyoming's fiscal health. Um, so that's where we feel it in the in the spending conversation. Am I going to go through every line of the supplemental budget and um, the, um, the budget book each year? No. Um, right. But when we're looking uh, at a 20,000-foot level and holistically, these are the things that we'll try to keep guiding this legislature and advocating for on where we need to focus our spending. And I hate to say it, economic development is not on that list. Economic development is a nice to have. And right now, um, until we get this aligned, we, it's, it's going to be hard for us to recruit. Um, we've got to figure out our tax base because if you go to other states, um, when I was a, an economic developer, I'd have uh, entities call me and say, okay, what can you give me? And it's like, well, we're, we have the lowest tax structure. And it's like, no, what can you give me? Well, we have nothing to roll back because it's so low. Um, and so that's where some of those, you know, when we look at exemptions, um, where we can use those as economic, uh, development incentives, but when you have nothing to give, it's, it's hard to <laughs> give it away. Right. Yeah. No, I've talked to many, many friends my age that are kind of in that tech world. And we've talked about this where, um, you know, I've sat around, I'm like, Hey, why can't, why can't we get kind of those tech industries here? you know, and, and, uh, they kind of opened my eyes of like, Hey, well, that's great, Aaron, that we don't have these heavy tax burdens, but they're, you know, outside of that, you know, what do you have, what, what does Wyoming have to offer to, um, you know, some of the, education system, right? Yep. Like yeah. how are we educating our kids? What, what does their community colleges look like? What, you know, what does the workforce development look like? What does their infrastructure yep. look like? And if we can't for those, it, it makes, companies nervous they're almost like hey tax me so i know that my my employees and my business is going to have a good quality of life so it's a very chicken and the egg conversation um and and it's the and it's the taxation of they know they know it's a they know it's a fair 
level. It's a fair playing field. It's not just a tax that every two years our legislative, you know, they're, they're picking and choosing who gets taxed. They can know that it's, Oh, it's all across the board. So that's fine. Um, right. Interesting. Um, that with that certainty of, Hey, we have a stable tax structure. Um, you're not going to, we're not going to promise you here. It's here today, but gone tomorrow. Um, that you're absolutely right on. I mean, right now our renewable industry has been fighting that for the last 10 years of the electric generation tax and the wind tax coming up every year. That's clearly, you know, they're already paying specifically wind. they're already paying a power generation tax. So minerals and extractive industries pay sales, property, and then they have a severance tax that, you know, when they sever their mineral, they pay 100% on that mineral. Um, same with our wind industry, they have sales, property, and then they have an electric generation tax. Um, and so they've been messing around with that. Do we increase it? Do we, we get rid of the um, tax holidays? That is an exemption for three years. It doesn't come on until after they've got the project going for three years. And so that uncertainty um, is really hard and tough to recruit and expand your business when that's coming up every year and the headlines are in our papers every year. So the sooner we can get this taken care of, the, the sooner we can move forward, in my opinion. Right. Is there, do you, is there uh, any, any answer to that you think in regards to kind of our energy and utilities like that? I mean, cause there are some bills, Pat, there are getting proposed, I guess I should say to, to, I, I don't know again, if that's in your guys's, in your guys's wheelhouse, um, you know, in regards to, I guess, taxation there, you know, and power generation and electricity. So um, we do have a, a tax criteria matrix we send out to the legislators, and um, we we run it through all like just a general proposal because obviously any you know if I say I'm going to tax or just going to take on wind if I'm going to tax wind um, if I'm going to tax just to make it even broader if I'm going to tax uh, power generation um, if I if I set it up just as a general tax on power generation. Um, it might check all my boxes to be okay because it's low and broad based and it hits all of them. But a legislator can change that proposal where it might pick winners and losers in the, in the um, body of the, of the um, bill. Right. So on a general basis, that would be something that yes, we could support a, a taxation on power generation. Now, if it carves out for one of the industries over another and it picks winners and losers with a specific proposal, we might change your mind. Um, but as far as in general speaking, in general terms, um, on our matrix, it does say we could support a power generation tax. Right. That would be low and broad. Yep. If it was, um, yes. But even the, the playing field. So like right now, solar is not taxed, but when is for their power generation? Um, but we're not going to come out and promote that. What we would like right. to see is a balance it. And um, then get through this education conversation, and then we might be more aggressive on some low and broad-based tax proposals um, that sure. we try to help with solutions and, and educate on what the benefits of it could be. Um, I, I really do think, and, and this is my opinion, um, I don't have a platform to speak on this with WTA, but I think the, um, the governor and um, Joint Appropriations has done a really good job um, of balancing this budget amidst this um, pandemic, and so hopefully, you know that will that will bring us back to a nice baseline um, of where we tr we've trimmed the tree and now we can grow out from it. It's just going to be the education and and how they decide to make up for that. That'll be interesting. Awesome. Well, uh, Ashley, we're kind of right over 45 minutes. Um, I do want to give you kind of, um, that was kind of a good end. So if you want to end on that little piece, you just said, that's great. But is there anything else you want to give to our listeners about WTA? Um, maybe some good, um, ways people can find things, um, sure. you know, um, and, and we can end this out. So I appreciate your time. Yes, thanks for the opportunity to talk about WTA. Um, our mission is to educate, research, and advocate. And so you can find all of our materials for free online at wyotax.org. And uh, we just released our recent public, um, or released our publications um, for the year. So it's How Wyoming Compares. 
Um, and that resource is that research is pulled from the U.S. Census, so you can see um, as compared in ta- like tobacco taxes, for example, it compares us in all 50 states. And so for that one, we're number 37. Um, you can see how we compare in sales tax, property tax. Um, so that just got released, Wyoming tax summary that goes through all of the taxes that are out there and, and um, how they're assessed and the breakdown on that, um, and then the property taxation book. Um, so those are all available for free online. Um, you can follow us on Facebook at Wyoming Taxpayers Association. Uh, we Twitter at YOTax, and then um, the good old-fashioned way, just give me a call at 307-635-8761 um, or email ashley at yotax.org. Um, and then, of course, we are a membership-based organization, so if you're interested in becoming a member, I could send you information on that, and um, you'll receive weekly updates during the session and, and then monthly newsletters when we're out of session. Um, so that's our pitch. Awesome. I love it. Well, thank you for coming on the show. And, um, I think you guys, you know, kind of, um, you know, embody go be Wyoming, you know, preserving the legacy of Wyoming, but also looking at, you know, um, it's kind of funny to hear, Hey, you know, 20 years ago, we were looking at this problem of, uh, you know, we're probably going to have to look at our tax structure and then lo and behold, you know, it just took a global pandemic and, and oil hitting negative to, make people realize that, but it sounds like we're on the right track. And just, again, it's, it's educating and advocating for the right stuff. Um, so again, uh, everyone go check out WTA. Um, if you want to be a member, uh, contact Ashley and, um, Ashley, thank you for your time. Um, I think, um, this was great. I learned quite a bit. Um, and, uh, we'd love to have you on again, if you'd like, or have somebody from WTA on, especially with the legislative session kind of getting, pushed back and being virtual, you know, um, spreading more, um, information and correct information is probably valuable for everyone here in the state. And, uh, please, if, if you have any questions, feel free to re- reach out because it is, um, super hard to boil down this very complex information because we have a lot of coffee cans of money and, um, a very complex budget. And I'd be more than happy to, uh, find the answer for you if I don't know it or help explain it further. Wonderful. Well, Ashley, thank you for your time. And, uh, I will let you know when this is uh, published out and we'll share it with you. And, uh, um, yeah, thanks. Thanks for coming on and, and speaking on behalf of the uh, Wyoming Taxpayers Association. Sure. Well, thanks. And if you have any, you know, off, off the show, if you have any questions, just let me know. I'd be more than happy to point in the direction. Absolutely. Direction. Yeah. Okay. Well, good luck. Thank you. Nice to meet you. Yeah. Nice to meet you All too. Right. Hopefully we meet in person, but, uh, uh, you have a great rest of your day. Okay, sounds great. All right, thanks, Thanks. Ashley. Yep.